Praise God. If you got your Bible this morning, I want you to open it up to 2 Kings chapter uh, 2 this morning. I'm going to be sharing with you this morning about uh, conversations, uh, engaging people in conversation for the purpose of expanding the gospel. Engaging people for the purpose of uh, engage, uh, 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 expanding the gospel. There's been uh, times in my life that, that I knew that whenever I was speaking, I was speaking for God. I mean, you know what that means? That, that as I was talking, I knew it wasn't just me talking, but actually God was speaking through me. And that can happen at a grocery store. It can happen at a bus stop. It can happen in a classroom. I don't care where you are. If you long for and yearn for those opportunities to speak what God says, not just saying his scripture, not just speaking, uh, you know, casually, but all of a sudden down on the inside, you just recognize and you know that, that God's talking here. How many of y'all value conversations like that come on we live in a world of a very uh, uh some, a lot of times right now no conversations everybody's tweeting and yet they aren't saying anything everybody's status updating but they aren't saying anything they've got 140 characters to say whatever that usually don't amount to a hill of beans and, and, but but i believe that we can engage a one another and not just one another here but actually outside of here that we can allow the Holy Spirit down on the inside to engage us uh, uh, to, to prompt us to say what people need to take the blinders off of their eyes and that every one of you I just want you to to grab this this morning that every one of you are carriers of the Holy Spirit that you're capable of functioning and flowing with the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times this stuff seems pretty spooky because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is where we've been the past week or two, the Bible says that we're the body of Christ, that Jesus is the head. He's the head of the church, but we are his body. And every one, every part of the body, uh, we've gone over this, is needed. Every part of the body is different. Your body has lots of different systems. Nine different systems, the endocrine system, the lymphatic system, the skeletal system, the reproductive system, the digestive system, the, the, the uh, neurological system. All these different systems of your body work and function together so that you walk straight. How many of y'all glad about that? And you don't talk out your ear. If I say amen to that. Wouldn't that be horrible? No, all of your systems, all of these parts of your body are needed and they fit and they function together. The same thing is true for the body of Christ that, that God's designed different parts, different people to do different things. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, To one I've given the word of wisdom, and to another I've given the word of knowledge, and to another I've given a prophecy, to another tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, to another gifts of special faith, to another gifts of healing. Nine different manifestations of the Holy Spirit he says I've given each one to different members but I want you to know sometimes we think of that just being for a pastor or a preacher or a teacher or whatever no as you're engaging people at the grocery store you can start talking about your love for heavy whipping cream that's usually how my conversations begin at the grocery store because I love heavy whipping cream how many of y'all love how many of y'all have, have, have an affair with heavy whipping cream? Oh, man, every morning I have this, oh, I wake up thinking about, oh, my horizon heavy whipping cream. My, whoops, somebody just kicked the plug. Oh, that's back on. What's that, Lord? What's that? Just kidding. 
heavy. Come on. So I, you can be at the grocery store talking about a very natural occurrence, but down on the inside, uh, you'll just uh, have a story or an unction or a prodding to say this or to go that way. And unbeknownst to you, it's the Holy Spirit helping you engage in a conversation that can get beyond heavy whipping cream into the supernatural. And you can be a carrier of words of life. And it doesn't take some spiritual event. The clouds don't have to part. There doesn't have to be a, a girl with, with dreadlocks playing the thing up there. No, it can be a very normal thing at a grocery store. And all of a sudden, this conversation can, be, can totally help or transform lives. I want to read this, this thing. I was reading the New York Times. How many of you ever read New York Times? Me neither. Not much. Don't live in New York. They need one called the Moss Bluff Times. That's the paper. But the New York Times here, it's speaking about uh, uh, the body or the body's, uh, 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 how it regenerates. How many of y'all know your body regenerates itself? They say you get new, t new taste buds every seven years. And I thought that was pretty dumb until I started liking turnip greens. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you start liking things that your parents liked. And you're like, I grew up not liking that, but something's happened in my mouth to where now I'm craving rutabagers. Who eats rutabagers? Old people eat rutabagers. And yet now I'm at Piccadilly wanting the rutabagers and the beets, which is really strange. It's not for Huddle. Huddle loves beets. But, 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 but your body changes or it regenerates. And the body of Christ has to constantly be regenerating. New cells die every day in your body, but your body regenerates or brings in new ones. What's that mean? 155,000 people die every day. Every day, by the time that this day ends, 155,000 people will have stepped over into eternity. That's a lot. 155,000 will either make heaven their home or they'll make hell their home. Man, it's kind of sobering fact. So 155,000 people, many of them are church-going Christians, leave the body of Christ. But it's always up to the body to regenerate or to make uh, to continue uh, uh, to replenish itself. This guy, Nicholas Wade from the New York Times, he says, although most people think that their body is a fairly permanent structure, most of it is in a state of constant flux. Old cells that are no longer used and new ones are generated in their place. Each kind of tissue has its own turnover time depending in part on the workload of its cells. The cells lining the stomach only last five days. So inside your stomach, there's cells, but they only live five days. In five days, they're dead, but your body's constantly making new ones. Wow, there's just, it's a harsh environment down there. Some of y'all need to eat better. Old gut wagon's hard on the body. Very, very lots of hard. And he says, but the, the, the skin cells last two weeks. Your blood cells last 120 days. Your entire human skeleton will be replaced every 10 years. You have a totally new skeleton. But here he says the only piece of the body that lasts a lifetime 
on present evidence seems to be the neurons of the cerebral cortex. What's that mean? That's your brain. In other words, your whole body is constantly dying and being born. It's constantly being changed. It's constantly evolving. But the only part of your brain that you, uh, your body that you carry with you, your entire life is your brain. And if Jesus is the head of the church, come on, the Bible says, he says, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. He says, Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus never changes. God doesn't change. The Bible says that in him there is no change, neither shadow of turning. And yet within us, within the body, there's constant change. People are dying and going on to eternity. But we have to constantly be about the Father's business and reaching out and regenerating and finding new people to bring into the body because when a body stops growing, it dies when a body stops reaching out it dies so I want to uh, talk to you this morning about engaging people in conversations I'll be totally honest I was not planning on teaching on this how many of the Lord's ever changed your changed your directions I wish you would have changed give me a little more notice Jesus but he doesn't all the time give you all the notice that you want I told my wife I said babe I'm going to teach on this this Sunday and then about two days later everything changed so the Lord brought me to this passage. He said, this is the direction you go. I said, well, yes, sir. I'll do that then. That's what you want me to do. So we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 2 this morning. This passage of Scripture, I've never taught on it. Really was not familiar with it. But immediately as reading it, uh, I just knew that this is where we're going. That we constantly have to be engaging people and be willing to you be used by the Holy Spirit, not in a spooky manner. Whenever you're engaging people uh, for conversation, you know, you don't have to walk up and be like, Oh, man, you don't have to do that. Jesus didn't do that. Don't you? I just like reading about Jesus, and I just picture him full of grace, and he's full of power, and yet he was totally humble. Can you imagine having the world at your fingertips, and yet he acted as such nobody ever knew it? He was so unassuming, so full of grace and power and might, and yet he also had humility, and he, he understood timing, and he understood people, and he was just normal. And yet he was so abnormal. He was natural and yet he was totally supernatural. So you and I, we can be totally normal. And yet at the same time be carrying God on the inside of us that's always willing to just reach people. Jesus would just be walking. He'd say, okay, we're going to go over here. And the disciples say, no, 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 we can't go over there. We've already been there. And he'd just say, no, we need to go over here. And he'd go over there and he'd totally reach somebody over there in an unassuming way. He would just speak to them and they would totally be changed. Conversation, Second Kings chapter 2, verse 19. If you have a, a bulletin, most of you, I'm I'm assuming do have uh, this bulletin. If you don't have your Bible, you can read along 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, and then I'll have some little things that you can write there as well. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation of the city is pleasant. As the Lord sees, but the water is bad this week just reading this scripture just these phrases here the situation of the city is is good and yet the water is bad and he says because of it the ground is barren 
And he said, Elisha said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him, and then he went out to the source of the water, and he cast in the salt there. And he said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water, and from it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elijah, which he spoke. And then Elijah went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Don't you love the Bible? Go up, you bald head. What are they doing? They're poking fun of him. They're making fun of him. So he turned and looked at them, pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youth. My God is an awesome God. Come on, you can't make movies about stuff like this. If Kirk came and tried to do this movie, people wouldn't think it was in the Bible. They'd have to be looking, man. If I was, Kirk came and have, have, have two bears come out and maul 42 people. It's awesome. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Let's pray this morning before I go any further. Thank you, Father God, for the entrance of your word, giving light and understanding. Thank you, Father God, for uh, your ability that, that we've already seen that you give utterance, words from heaven. Father God, I have uh, no intention or desire to say uh, my own words, but thank you, Lord, for words from heaven to uh, ignite a fire within us to go out to reach our city to engage in conversation to slow things down and allow the Holy Spirit to use us to reach people thank you Father God for every person here having ears to hear what you're saying this morning in Jesus name everybody said praise God there's three phrases that really jumped out off of uh, the, the paper here as I was reading it uh, this week the first one is please Notice, so you can write there on number one, please notice. The, the conversation started here with these men begging for somebody to please notice. And I believe we're living in a world where people act like they want to be hidden, and yet at the same time, they're screaming, please notice. Please look, and I believe God is, is asking us, he's challenging us this morning to please notice that even though by all appearances it seems like people are right and the marriage is good and the career is good and the, the country's good, and yet there's an underlying current, there's something going on in people's hearts and people's lives that, that, that the water's bad. And here he's screaming, he's saying, listen, I need you to notice. I believe the people are, are crying out, please notice. Notice I need help. I'm drowning. I'm suffering. I'm going to hell. And I believe God is saying, please notice uh, the, the bridge is out. It's not well with them. Because, you know, you can, you can, a lot of times you can act like, or people do. Nobody uh, walks around uh, 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 pronouncing their, their hardship or their difficulty or their pain. No, people wear long sleeves so you don't see the cutting. People wear jackets so you don't see the addiction marks. Right, people put they paint a face, uh, 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 they paint smiles on their face so that you can't see what what they're going through or what, what's happening with them. Uh, my dad, uh, um, those of you that've been here, you know my dad. He passed away from cancer a few years ago, but my dad he got down to uh, uh, about to retire, 
Don't everybody like to retire? He's about to retire, and him and my mother booked a one-month cruise. Amen to that. Man, they had it all planned out, itinerary, and we would sit by the pool and he'd say, 40 more days, I'm going to retire, and we're going on a cruise, and we're going to get on the Canary Islands, and we're going to do this. And he, he had all this stuff mapped out. And, and uh, he, he, he was down to 40 days, about to retire, already bought the tickets, bought everything, and he goes to the doctor, and the doctor gives him a clean bill of health. Nothing wrong with you. Everything's totally fine with you. You're doing great. By all appearances, the city is good. The situation of the city is good. And yet there was things going on, even though sometimes a people can tell you or you, you can surround yourself with people that will tell you everything is fine, everything is well. And yet, of course, within a week, they were taking him off of a train in Bunky because he was hurting so bad. They had to pull it. My dad worked for Union Pacific Railroad, so uh, he would drive between Lake Charles. He'd ride on the train. Uh, I love trains. Every time I see my train, I think about my dad. But he, would, he, he rode these trains for 40 years. He rode these trains. And, but they had to take him off of the train because he's hurting. He's in pain so bad. Come to find out, uh, he just had cancer basically head to toe. He's basically ate up with it right before retirement, right before that, uh, the, the trip. So uh, on the outside, though, he's thinking everything is fine, and yet things aren't always fine. People act like things are fine. But how many of y'all know a lot of times things aren't fine with people? Uh, we have just, just last week found out dear, wonderful couple, great couple. She's pretty, and he's a stud. Lots of money. I mean, multimillionaires, several homes in different parts of the country. And, and for years, you think the city is fine. You think, man, them people got it together. How many of y'all know anybody like that that you think? totally have it together but apparently whenever they were at home alone all kinds of other stuff was going on and you look at them and you see them and you think they're totally fine they're great they're better than fine i wish i was them i wish i had their house and their marriage and their home and yet the water was bad the city seemed pleasant but now the marriage is busted the business is going to be chopped up in pieces and divided out uh, once the lawyers are done doing their deal. What's the point? Listen, you and I go and we're around people all the time. And I believe God is saying, please notice, not everybody is fine. Not everybody's well. I think people are asking, they're saying, please notice, somebody notice, even though they, they, they fake it. How many of y'all know? We all know how to fake it. How many of y'all know how to do this? You're not even doing that. You just don't want to talk to anybody. I've done it too. It's like, how many of you ever, how many of you ever held your phone up there because you didn't want to talk to the person that's walking to you? Don't lie. We're not like y'all don't do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's even there. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then once you're through, once you're by, then the phone goes in the pocket. And, and then you, you miss opportunity to engage. The second phrase that jumped out here after please notice was as the Lord sees. Please notice as the Lord sees. What's he saying there? I believe sometimes we see what we see. Or we see as humans see, but I think God wants us to see as he sees. Come on, God wants us to see with his eyes. God sees the cause, we see the effect. Let's say it like this. God sees the source, we see the symptoms. 
they're an addict, they're a prostitute, they're this, they're rich, they're, they're greedy. They're, they're, we see the symptoms, but God sees the source. He sees why they're that way, and he knows how to engage them in such a way that can actually pierce their heart and can actually change them. And the thing is, he wants to use you and I to do it. God's not, gonna, God's not necessarily going to be from heaven and be like, no, God's not like that. He engages us. He prompts us to go and, and do that. Let's say it like this. Well, we see problems, but God sees the people. They're gay. They know that. God knows that. But God doesn't see just the symptoms. He sees a son. So that's a son. Well, we, we see it this way. Say, oh, yeah, but it's this way. So God says, no, that's my daughter. That's my child. Now, that's a prostitute. Yeah but, that, yeah, but there's a lot more going on there. God sees, and I believe he wants us to see. I believe it, it's being screamed this morning, not just, hey, notice, please, but also look with the eyes of God. See what God sees. See beyond just the symptoms and actually see that they can change. How many of y'all think people can change? How many of y'all glad you changed? How many of y'all glad you're in the process of changing? I mean, y'all know I'm still in the process. Thank God he's not done with me yet. I, this is still a prayer that I pray often. And I remember being in Bible college, and I'd come off of drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff. And I remember I would go to, go to Bible college during the day, but, but I would still struggle. I mean, y'all know what it means to struggle. In the evenings, I would still struggle. On the weekends, I would still struggle. Why? Because I like the club. It was fun. The club is fun. The people are fun. The, 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 the riding down Jackson Street, metropolis of Alexandria, it's awesome. Big skyscrapers, like five stories tall. I mean, it's just an amazing adventure. It's just a beautiful thing. So I would go to Bible college from 8 to 12 during the afternoon. But then at night, man, I would want to go out or I would want to do this. But I remember there are many times I would wake up and I would just tell the Lord, I'd say, God, I won't quit on you. If you won't quit on me. And I say, God, I don't care if it takes me 10 years to get all this junk out of my life. I refuse to quit. I just refuse. And I just know that you refuse to quit. I mean, y'all know it didn't take 10 years, but it took a few months. It took a few months for me to work that out. But now the, 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 the struggles are different. Now, uh, what used to be a struggle then, it's like, I wouldn't go to a club for nothing. It just has no appeal to me. It's nothing there. It's nothing. This is gone. There's nothing else there. I don't have any more. I mean, there's just no more of that is in me. It's just I have no appeal there. But there's other things that now, whether it's being a dad or a pastor or, 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 or a husband, it's just a different set. But I mean, I'm glad God doesn't give up. God doesn't just see the problems. He sees the people. And here he's saying, notice, notice, notice. I'm asking you to notice. I'm screaming for you to notice that even though people appear like they're okay, they really aren't always okay. The last one is, 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 that jumps off is he says, put salt at the source. Take the bad water and put salt at the source. How many of y'all had a grandma that gargled salt water? You did, don't you? I know your grandma, so I know she did too. My grandma gargled salt water every night. It was either that or Dr. Tishner's. How many of y'all know what Dr. Tishner's is? That stuff's like gas. She talked me into gargling that stuff one time. I thought my, I thought my God, I'm on fire. Anybody else ever gargled with Dr. Tishner's? It's horrible. 
So but either she did Dr. Tishner's or she would gargle. She'd take salt water and put so much salt water in there, it would be cloudy. You know what I'm talking about? And then would gargle that salt water. And, and, and what she did, well, to me, salt doesn't heal water. Salt makes things worse. I don't even, whenever we go to the beach now, I'll let the kids play, and it's like I don't even want to get in there because it, it just tastes horrible. And yet the remedy here for the bad water is he says take salt and put it at the source. Well, if you know anything about salt, salt is a preservative. Salt cures. The reason you gargle with salt water is it cures infection. Salt, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Salt cured ham. Well, now that's a good breakfast right there. Salt meal gravy and some salt cured ham with some eggs. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all rednecks. Yes, sir. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That salt cured ham, you hang that ham. There's, you, can, you can go to the grocery store and there'll be a ham that's been hanging there for four years. No refrigeration. It's just hanging while they've packed it in salt. It has a preservative about it. It has, uh, it, it kills infection and it gives flavor. Now in the New Testament, if you look in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you're the salt of the world. You're the preserving factor of humanity. You're the one that kills infection and that flavors this world. You're the salt of the world. And lots of times we look and say, I ain't salt. That's the salt right there, Jesus. You must be talking. I'm sure the disciples are looking around. They don't feel very salty. But here Jesus says uh, that, that we are the ones Come on, everywhere we go, there should be a preserving factor about us that we should have the ability to kill infection because here in the Old Testament, he says, take some salt and put it at the source. And if you'll put some salt at the source, he says, the water will be healed. And I see us, or I see uh, really what should be happening within the church is that the church is constantly expanding and growing because people are acting like everything's all right. But God will strategically send some salt to the source to bring, to make the waters healed anymore. It says there, though, that Jesus healed the waters. How many of y'all glad you don't have to do it? Come on, I don't, I don't have to do it. I can't heal a gnat's wing. I, can't, I, can't, I, 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 of my own ability, can't do anything. No, they just had to obey. They just had to take the salt, put it at the source, and the Bible says that God brought healing and brought restoration and brought change. I want to show you in Mark chapter 6 this morning because now we get to the nuts and bolts. What time we got? Mark chapter 6, because this is, this is where this is nuts and bolts, because most people, they see the need for reaching pe- people, and they see, they see the need, they just get scared. How many of you ever do that? How many of how many, or, or you get busy. It's like, I really don't have time, to Lord. I just bought heavy whipping cream. And, you know, you, <laughs> you really have to keep that stuff refrigerated, Lord, or it starts getting cakey. And the cakey heavy whipping cream in, the, in my coffee is just not going to work, so I really don't have time to do this but you know what i found out about god he can be really quick god no he's he can be really he can be really efficient he's not near as inefficient as we are it don't take long baby he can he can move some things around quick have you ever been sitting in church and then just all of a sudden just a couple of words just fall right out and you're just like 
I got that's what I've been looking for. That's the answer I've been looking for. Listen, it doesn't take him long. So here I, I got a couple things that if if you'll just do what Jesus did, it won't it won't seem so hard. If you look, Jesus always went up the mountain. I mean, I already seen Jesus doing that. Jesus would always go up the mountain. So the first one there is get up, then it's going to be uh, a look up, then it's going to be speak up will be your three. But Jesus, the first thing, Jesus always got elevated. Moses went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus went up to the mountain constantly. He was always getting up, and, and he would always go up there and spend time with God. In other words, if you can't communicate with God, you'll never really be able to communicate well with people. But if you'll take time to engage God, he'll show you just down on the inside. I'll say that for me, uh, the, the days that I take the time to get in God's presence I'm a lot more sensitive and I'm a lot more bold and I know whenever God's wanting to say some things or do some things through me why because I just took time to get up I just took time to go up now what's that mean does that mean that you have to get on your roof preferably you probably don't want to do that Whenever I say get up, that just means Jesus would get out of his current situation, unplug his mind from everything that he has to do, and he just spent time with God. Now, that could be reading a devotion, could be reading the Bible, could be, could be praying. I like to take drives. I like to go. I like to take a drive. I take my wife's car. She don't all, all the time like that because she comes outside and the car's not there. And I'll be gone for like an hour. But I'll just go ride, just go drive. And then there's a graveyard right there not far from my house. I'll go uh, walk around that. No, that sounds strange. But I never told you I wasn't strange. So you can't, can't hold that against me. But there's times I like to go and, and uh, I'll sit uh, out there because it's just quiet. It's peaceful. Listen, you don't have to get stuck in a box of this is what I have to do. No, you can do it any way that you want to do it. But if you'll take time to get up, spend time with the, with, with the Father, then you'll get the heart of the Father. And once you get the heart of the Father, then you can be at the grocery store or the lunchroom or the classroom. Some of you teenagers, I remember being a, being a young person and, and, and just down on the inside, I felt I was like supposed to go sit by them. But I didn't really want to sit by them because they weren't very cool. It's like, it's not who you want to sit by right there if you're trying. To, I've already got the Jabot jeans on. So I'm really moving towards cool status with the African cuts. So now you're wanting me to go sit by them and it's going to mess up my cool status. You know, sometimes I pass that test and sometimes I failed. But the times that I passed, it turned out to be wasn't so bad. Sit there, and then you just start talking, and then before you know it, maybe not that time, but, but the next few times you just engage them, and people come around if you mean it. Get up. The, the next one is, let me just read Mark chapter 6. Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like a sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them. Second thing there is he saw. He looked up. In other words, he just said, I'm not, he didn't just get pigeon-toed into his own thinking or his own, uh, his own life. I mean, y'all know that can be hard sometimes to just look up and to not see people all around you. Second one, Jesus said he saw. The third one, I'm going to try and hurry, pick it up here. The third one there is, is speak up. He says that he began to teach them. Now, this is the thing. Most people say, I ain't Jesus. Let me all feel that way. Say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't. You know, the times, the, the, the best conversations I've had with people were probably the least spiritual conversations that I had with people. 
Most times scriptures really weren't involved. Didn't have to know a whole bunch of this or a whole bunch of that. Most of the time it was just it was just me engaging in conversation. And then down on the inside, there'll just be a story or something that I'll tell. Let me just say it like this. Sometimes whenever I'm preaching, lots of times I say things that are not in my notes. That, that I'll just say there was a time whenever my wife left me. This happened not too long ago. Whenever I just started, was well, not in my notes, but I started talking about whenever me and my wife had a separation. She straight up moved out. Well, then that wasn't in my notes. That was just me kind of following the, the Holy Spirit, just kind of leading me that direction. Well, then after the service, you have a couple of people walk up to you and say, listen, me and my wife are about to bust up. Listen, we just went through that. Listen, you were talking just to me. Exactly what you said was just for me. Listen, that wasn't me just fabricating something out of my notes. That was just me picking up a cue from down here, bam, and then just kind of following that cue. And that's actually a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge wasn't anything supernatural wasn't a crazy prophecy please you and the orange stand thus saith the Lord no it wasn't that it was just me following that prompting and then the conversation started and then they came back up and reciprocated the conversation and said listen we need help can you counsel us can you do this because what you said it, it, it affected me so, so that conversation just started just by down on the inside what's the point listen the, the point of this is, is what I'm asking you to do is as you leave today and this week and as you go out of this place just listen to God listen down here and while you're having a totally normal conversation or if God if you see somebody sitting there or needing help or trying to cross the street or whatever you just follow you catch the signals he's sending signals listen God let me God a lot of times God tries to tell us things, but if we aren't in relationship with those people, we never hear them. I believe the day will come whenever we're going to stand before God, and we're going to be like, God, I never, you never told me that. And he's going to say, no, I gave it to an individual that you were supposed to be in relationship with. I gave it to an individual that you were supposed to engage, but they had, they were going to speak for me, but you never got the information because you missed your cue, you missed your opportunity. Speak up, look up, get up. Psalm 71 says, Oh God, you've taught me from my youth. To this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, Oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who has come. At the end of the story, how many of y'all remember what were they saying to him? You old ball-headed, you old ball-headed. They're giving him fits. Listen, we live in a society and a world right now that sometimes uh, uh, will, will give you fits. And I know that was always my fear was, well, what if they reject me? Or what if they don't reciprocate? Or what if, they, what, what if, what if, they, what, what if uh, I offend them? Listen, uh, I believe God, he'll give you the right words. He'll, he'll give you exactly what you need to say in any situation. Now, I will say this. If they don't engage you, I wouldn't call them ball-headed, and I wouldn't curse them. I would not pronounce a curse on them and ask the Lord to send bears to maul them. Lord, because they did not engage in the conversation, could you infect them with lice? <laughs> probably. Listen, that's not the avenue or the, the route that you want to go. I'll close with this. The last thing is let's just look at social media because this is somewhere that we can start. Let's start. Let's, let's do baby steps. 
And rather than you like give a word of wisdom or a knowledge of prophecy, a tongue or interpretation of tongues or cast the devil out of someone, let's just start here. Most people are on Facebook. The average person on Facebook has 200 friends. Well, if you would use that or use social media as, as a way, as an avenue, you could just say uh, church was, I'm a plug church, but you could say church was awesome today. Uh, I heard what I needed to hear at church today. This is something that was said at church today. Church is changing my life. If you will do that, that will infect 200 of your friends, many of whom don't go to church, don't have a church, and don't care about church. But over the process of a month or two, if they see that you're being changed or ministered to by church, a church, then they will engage and say, man, what church do you go to? Um, I haven't been to church in this long. I haven't been in that long. And listen, and if everybody would just engage a bunch of different people, then you can then you can bring real change. If there's people, 30,000 friends, all of us probably have on Facebook. All of us, you know, if you have 1,000 friends, I have a, a good number of friends. Uh, just bragging. <laughs> just throwing that out there. They're not all American. But that doesn't matter. If there's 30,000 friends represented here, if just 1% showed up at church, what's 1% of 30,000? Miss Laura, principal. A lot. There you go. If 1% of 30,000 would just show up, then that would be that would be impressive. You just have 300 people show up from what? Just engaging in a different type of conversation, using social media as a way to get the ball rolling with people that you know, with your friends. Come on, I, I, as a pastor, I, could, I would like an extra 300 people just to show up because of Facebook, because people just, just got on there, did their little thing. Listen, that's an easy thing. That's a baby step, just engaging conversations. Praise God. How many of y'all received that this morning? I believe all of you, I believe the Lord, I, I really believe this, the Lord wanted me to speak on this. I was going to speak totally on something else because I believe there's some people in Lake Charles, Moss Bluff, Sulphur, Carlos, Oberlin. We have a, a very diverse group here, lots of different cities represented in a small church. But I believe there's somebody within those cities this week that needs to be engaged. So this message is not just for you, it's for the people you're assigned to reach. So sometimes you have to endure a sermon that you feel like might not be pertinent to you to find out on Thursday it was absolutely pertinent because that's the person that I engaged and then they got saved or their marriage got helped or their finances. So, so, so today is not just about you. Today is about the people that, that are assigned to you. So this week, as you're going out throughout your day, wherever you're at, whatever you're buying, whatever you're doing, just be sensitive to God because I believe he had this said for a reason, not just for another Sunday to come and to go. Know that there's people around us that I believe God is desperately trying to reach, that he's waving a flag. He's saying, please notice, notice. Don't just see them the way you see them. See them the way I see them. And this week, if you'll step out of your comfort zone, I'm telling you, I'm speaking by God right now, by the Lord. I'm speaking by Him. If you'll, if you'll do that, then He'll meet you there at that place with them, and then they'll be forever changed, and the body will regenerate and will grow. Praise God. Let's pray this morning.